Welcome in this afternoon. It is Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Ryan Porth in for Jared Stillman alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. Floyd, last night I had the uh, the privilege of sitting in for Darren McFarland, who is uh, day-to-day with a lower body injury. Yeah, that's what I understand. I was wondering what was wrong. Yeah, he, he had a torn meniscus. Ah. So he had that repaired. We had to put him on IR. He's not going on IR. He oh, is, good. He's day-to-day. Good. He is, uh, he's questionable for tomorrow. <laughs> he was a limited participant today. So we will see if he's uh, ready for action tomorrow. But last night on the postgame show, Ryan Johansson joined myself and Hal Gill. And last night the Preds win 5-2 over the San Jose Sharks. Matt Duchesne, another assist. He has six assists in three games. And this offense is looking pretty good. And Ryan Johansson is really liking what he's seeing from Matt Duchesne. It's impressive to me to see one game, him, Phil, and Granlund together and just making plays every time they're on the ice and, and getting chemistry like that. That's, to me, that just shows what type of player he is and, and how he makes players around him better. And, and uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's come to play these first few games for us, and, and uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been a big-time threat offensively, and, and he's a very smart, intelligent player both ends of the rink, and it's going to help us win a lot of games. That was Ryan Johansson last night on the postgame show, his first impression of Matt Duchesne. And the first impression of Matt Duchesne has a lot of people excited about this team. We preface all of this, Floyd, like we did to start the show, that it's only three games. Right. And when you look at the three opponents, at the end of the year, they may not be very good. Right. Minnesota, probably not going to be very good. Detroit, probably not going to be very good. San Jose is the only 0-4 team in the National Hockey League, even though you would expect them to be in the playoff hunt at some point this season. But this offense looks pretty darn good, and it's it's being led by Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg and even Mikhail Granlund, who is kind of the, uh, I won't say the forgotten one on that line, but everyone is talking about Duchesne and Forsberg and the fact that that line is going. You've got a top line with uh, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, Craig Smith, you're getting contributions from the defense. You're getting contributions from everywhere early on in the season. That has people excited. But- I, I think without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think it's thrilling. And and we said this from the beginning. I mean, when you look at, at yesterday, you get a couple of goals from a defenseman. You get a couple of goals from, uh, from you, you know, your third line or your fourth line. Then you get a couple from your second and a couple from your first. I mean, you know, everybody's taking a, a getting their opportunity, and everybody's taking advantage of it. I mean, Gremlin at last year at this time, well, he wasn't here last year at this time, but right. later on when he came here, I mean, I think everybody was kind of, you know, what's what's the hoopla? Yeah, you know, with this, he's just kind of a regular old guy. Well, all of a sudden you throw him in there, and you throw him in there with a different guy. Guess what? He might be completely different. Well, and, and everybody, including myself, has always said that Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson have never been the same when the three of them aren't together. Right. Right? Well, Philip Forsberg, when he's been apart, or been when, when he's played outside of that line with Johansson and Arvidsson, he's never played with a, with a center like Matt Duchesne. Right. And now you're seeing Philip Forsberg reap the benefits of playing with Matt Duchesne, where even if he's not scoring goals – Every single, uh, every single time Duchesne is setting him up, it feels like something is about to happen when those two are on the ice. Well, the part that I, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and I think you can say that about a bunch of guys, you know, 
at least just from a potential. You know, you're looking at, we haven't seen a lot of evidence of it. But a tourist, I mean, you know what? Maybe as crazy as it seems, maybe what he's doing now is what he's meant to be. And if he can do that and do it well, we're great. You know, fantastic. Way to go. Um, uh, but I think the part that is so exciting to me is, and I loved, the, you know, our first line last year. I mean, that was among the best in the league. And, and we knew it and we felt like, okay, they can go out there and, and score against anybody, anytime, you know. The truth is, when you're playing the really, really good teams and you only have one really, really good something, they're going to find a way to take it away now. 100%. They're going to find a way to neutralize that. When you go into it and you're playing a team that has, you know, two or three or four of those things, you can't stop them all now. And it's just a matter of, okay, if you could ever get to the point where you're saying, whichever one, it's like we were talking about the receivers. They're going to take Delaney away. Okay, then Humphreys, you got to make some plays. They're going to take Brown away. Okay, Davis, you got to make some plays. And I think it's going to be much the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, they're going to take Cranlin away. All right, fine. Then, you know, somebody else is going to have to make plays, and you're going to be able to do that. That's the exciting And part. it's not just great teams in the NHL. A lot of teams in the NHL will find a way to beat you if you only have one good line. Yeah, yeah. And now that they have two, I think – I think there is some untapped potential offensively that this team hasn't had in the last couple of years. And at what so, you know, it's only three games. So I don't want to get overly excited about this offense. Right. 13 goals in three games is certainly a step in the right direction after how things were left off last postseason and last regular season, right? Right. At what point for you, Floyd, are you going to – Get excited about what you're seeing offensively with this team. You know, I, I guess I'm going with the Hal rule. Five games? <laughs> More than five games. Yeah, I would say it's got to be, you know, I mean, what is this? This is three? This is three. So after Saturday. Yeah, so, uh, man, that's <laughs> awful soon. It is soon. And the only reason I'm hesitant is because I look at it and I keep thinking, okay, you know, that's like right now you're saying, geez, there's 79 games left. A lot can happen in 79 games yeah. now. <laughs> well, it's by, after Saturday, there'll be 77. A lot can happen in 77 yeah. games. Injuries can happen. Funks oh, yeah. can happen. All that. Uh, but, I mean, early indications are you have to be thrilled. And and I'm not sure, you know, again, I think I think the part that is, is truly exciting is, is we're getting, instead of one line, you can say, okay, we've got two lines. But I think it's more than that. You know, I think it's it's going to affect everybody from a positive standpoint. And as long as it de- isn't a deterrent to the defense or to the goalies, and it does, you know, Becca sure played well last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but but UC had a little bit of a struggle the night before. And, and I, I don't know. I'm not pointing a finger. But after that, I'm wondering, you know, is all the emphasis on the offense going to hurt the defense back there with a guy like you see, and is that going to have ramifications? And and I don't know that, but that's part of you know why are we waiting a, a few games just to to be able to look at that and come to some kind of conclusion? So I'm not going to put a timeline on it. I'm not going to say after X amount of games or anything like that. I think we know even after three games that that line with Forsberg, Duchesne, and Granlund 
is going to be pretty darn good this season. Right. As long as Peter Laviolette keeps them together, right? Right. I'm going to get excited when Craig Smith, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Arvison start clicking at a high level at five on five as a trio. And Ryan Johansson last night on the postgame show said they are still trying to find their chemistry, but he does like what he's seen so far. Yeah, it's it's an adjustment for sure. We you know we're gonna we got to continue to work at that, and and um, starts in our practices right now, and just you know having being on the same page and I, you know having a structure with the three of us, and you know we're we're kind of getting a little spread out. We got to be able to support each other a little bit more and get a little closer and uh, in the battles and things like that. And but uh, you know Smitty's a horse, Arvey's a horse, and and we we just got to keep working at it to to get things going for us. That was Ryan Johansson last night. On his line with Craig Smith and Victor Arvidsson. And for me, Floyd, if that trio gets going and you've got two lines where you feel like something's about to happen at all times when they're on the ice, it's going to make it tough for the opponents to decide, okay, which which one of our defense pairs are we going to try to lock down? Which one are we going to put our top – pairing on yeah try to take away is it the duchene line or is it the johansson line yeah and i wouldn't call one you know the first line or another the second line i mean it's it is essentially one a one b right now with that offense i would agree and we have seen in years past this preds team not have enough depth let me rephrase not enough good depth consistent depth offensively for them to get where they need to go in the playoffs. But the one time they did, they did get contributions from two lines. They had the Jofa line, and then they had James Neal and wow. and Mike Fisher and other elements in that, in that lineup that were striking in key times. And if you can have two lines that you can hang your hat on and not just one, then I'm going to start getting excited. Did you see Neil last night? Four goals. <laughs> I kept looking at that, and I'm thinking, can there be another guy in the league named James Neal? <laughs> <laughs> it's four not the same goals. James Neal that was in Calgary last year, <laughs> where he probably scored four goals the entire season. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, I even wonder this. I wonder if they're still not, just knowing you know, Coach Lavi the way he is, if there's not more tinkering to be done. You know, I do maybe, wonder that. Maybe does does Granlin and Smith switch, and and maybe it work out for both. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing stuff out. You know, are there people that'll that could move around a little bit? And, Do you move Turris up to that first line like oh, they experimented with in, yeah. the, in the preseason? Yeah. Then you jumble up the 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 bottom six a little bit yeah. and put Craig Smith down there. So that'll that'll be interesting to see how that all works out. But uh, one one change I would make. I would take Callie Yarncroke out of this lineup for a game or two and try to light a fire in him because he has scored four goals in, like, his last 71 games. Yeah. He does not provide much offensively. And he's to the point in his career where you kind of need him to be consistent. And for me, he's not offering much when you get in the offensive zone. So maybe if you bench him or scratch him for a game or two, try to light a fire in him, give Daniel Carr a chance. You know, Daniel Carr was the AHL MVP. They were high on him when they signed him, and, you know, we haven't seen him yet. I don't know if Peter Laviolette is going to make that change tomorrow night against Washington because he has to like the way things are clicking right now, just overall as a group. 
But that is a change that I would I would consider moving forward. And I I don't know. I mean, how many preseason games do they have? They had six. <laughs> I don't know if you can. And the guys only you, played probably two or three of them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems to me to be really hard to get a good feel for everybody, especially all these new people, with six preseason games. And then, you know, you kick right into it, and you're thinking, wow, how much time did you really get to look at that guy? So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Interesting. Coming up next, we will switch back to the Tennessee Titans. Have the Titans gone from good to great anywhere on the roster or on the field through five games? We will get to that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. Live from Brewhouse South in Cool Springs, the site of tonight's Smash Roll Live at 7 o'clock. Kyle Terrace and Dan Hamus will be here with Braden Gall and Hal Gill. So get excited about that. That is tonight, 7 to 8 p.m. right here at Brewhouse South in Cool Springs. Coming up next, we get back to the Titans on ESPN 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back in, Jared, the GM, ESPN 1025 The Game. Ryan Porth in for Jared Stillman this afternoon. He will be back tomorrow alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. Floyd, we have been talking a lot this offseason, training camp, preseason, now regular season with the Tennessee Titans about their whole good to great mantra. And I don't know if they're ever going to achieve great this season. I don't think they will after what we've seen in the first five games. I think a lot has to change just in terms of execution on a consistent basis for them to even sniff the word great, let alone good. I mean, I I wouldn't put them in the good category in this very moment, if you ask me. Would you? I mean, they they look pretty average. Yeah, this is the problem with me. Is I nobody ever asked him to define that? What is I mean? Great is going to be different for you and I. You know, to me, great is New England and winning no his else? winning his team in the winning his team of the decade, six Super Bowls, six. That is great. That is great. What's good? You know, good is good. Ten wins. Is good nine wins. Well, if they are going from good, they would be going from nine wins to great, whichever great is. Like you said, they didn't define it. Yeah. So, I mean, my problem is there's there's nobody in the league that's great except for New England. You know, Mm -hmm. great. And in my mind, great is Hall of Fame. You know, you're talking about as good as you've ever seen. See, that's where I put elite. Like, New England is elite. I think there's a difference between great and elite. At least me, but it, I think it's to each their own. Yeah, However, they wanted to find the word great, define the word elite. You know, some people called Joe Flacco elite, you know, way back when. Oh, yeah. The quarterback that the Titans are going to face this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He was certainly great. I don't know if he was elite. Yeah. But he I was, mean, no. I mean, I, he, I'm not even sure he was great, but, but he was called that. I mean, for sure. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how you classify that. I don't know how you standardize it. To me, where you are is what, in my mind, he what he was saying was, I have to get past. Am I in the playoffs or not? You know, every every year, two, 
okay, I'm winning 10 games. I'm in it. So I'm uh, either going to win the division or I'm going to be a wild card every year for the next five years. I think the overriding theme of good to great, whatever great is, is taking the next step. Yeah. That, so, and that, that was the mantra of going next level, which whatever great was, whether it was 13 wins, whether it was 11 wins, whether it was winning the division, however they want to define great, it was taking the next step from right. what the last few years have been. And, and so to me, that's going from, you know, some years I'm in the playoffs, some years I'm not, too. I'm in the playoffs every year. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to win the division every year, but I'm at least going to be a wild card every year for the next X number of years. Mm -hmm. And if you get to that point, then, you know, that's the next step. Because, right, you know, right now, we've, we've been saying for the last couple of years, we wanted, we had to go from two and three wins to a team that got past the two and three wins to a team that could compete for the playoffs. Doesn't mean you're going to make the playoffs, but could compete periodically for the playoffs. And and last, we, we were in the playoffs, what was it, two years ago? And and last year it came down to the very last game, and the quarterback's not there. Well, if you're getting in the playoffs two years in a row, and you know, say you're lucky enough again to win a game, you're saying, okay, you know, maybe maybe I'm borderline there, maybe I'm I'm close to being there. Um, but instead, you you know, your quarterback is not there. Now you lose the game, and now it's you know you're back to just a nine-win team. Um, but it's not like you're forever away from that. And that's why I think it get, I get frustrated because people are forgetting, you know, where we came from. And I know our business, you know, there's nobody has a memory in our business. And so, you know, you're going from, I mean, four years ago we had three wins. I, I understand that, Floyd. But at some point, the nine-win seasons, like the first one, the first one, let's say that, that was what, 2016? The first nine-win season Whenever, when yeah. it was completely unexpected. That was a fun season of Titans football. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, going from what they were to nine wins and on the doorstep of making the playoffs, and unfortunately in week 16, Marcus Mariota gets hurt, breaks his leg in Jacksonville on Christmas Eve, and all that went right down the drain. One week after the incredible kick in Kansas City at the at the horn to win that game. But that was a fun If we If we would have won that game, would we have been in the playoffs? Jacksonville? That last game that the, Marcus broke his leg. If I remember right, if they had won that game, it would have set up a win-and-you're-in type game with Houston okay. the next week, just like it was last year with, with Indy. Okay. So they were they were on the doorstep. I mean, completely unexpected. Okay. All right? So I thought that was a fun season of Titans football. The next year in 2017, it had a roller coaster aspect to it. They made the playoffs. And they won a playoff game. Right. That was fun. That I mean, I'll always remember being at, I believe it was Wild Horse Saloon where you guys did a, uh, a pregame show for that Titans-Chiefs game. And that place was just going crazy when, when the Titans were coming back and, and winning that game when Marcus Mariota was blocking for Derrick Henry. And it was just, it was awesome. Right. Last year, up and down, you know, you have the midseason slump, then you come roaring back in December, and then 
Marcus can't play week 17 and you, and you lose that game and you go 9-7 and seven again. At some point, the fans do want you to elevate from 9-7. and seven. My point is, like the first 9-7 and seven season, that was fantastic. That was a whole lot more fun during the regular season than the last two-plus regular seasons where it's up and down and there's not that next level because we got that taste. We got the taste of it in 2016. We got the taste of it in the playoffs in 2017. And then ever since then, it's take a step forward, take a step back, take a step forward, take a step back. When you are craving that next step to break through and it's not happening. I think that's where the, for me as a fan, that's where my frustration lies in the fact that you've graduated from comparing this roster to five years ago because there's not much left from that roster five years ago. John Robinson has chewed it up and spit it out, right? basically, ever since Marcus Mariota's rookie year. Right. There, there's an expectation at some point to be better than 9-7. and seven. That expectation wasn't there in 2016. The expectation in 2016 was to not win or to not lose 13 games. <laughs> the, when as the expectations change but from season to season i think that is where the temperature of the fan base and how we break down this team changes as well the higher the expectations the more we expect week to week and not the topsy-turvy week to week not knowing what to expect out of this well team. exactly but everybody does in every nfl city I mean, there's, there. You think it's different in in Chicago or different, different in Miami right now? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> those teams got no chance. But there's no different here than in Baltimore, than in you know San Francisco, than in Oakland, and it's all the same. Which is that what I'm trying. The point I'm trying to get across. It's we want to think that we're unique in some fashion. We are not unique. We are just like everybody else. What they? What did we say? Sixteen teams. We're one of those sixteen teams that are three and two or two and three. Yeah, I mean it's it's that's the way it works. This is not this. I mean, I know there are some sports where you know everybody gets in the playoffs, and there are some sports where nobody gets in. But well, the NFL is one of those that getting in the playoffs. It's, it's more exclusive than others. Is hard to do. I mean, it's hard to get in the in the playoffs in the NFL, and I think in a sport where injuries play such a critical role every single week. And that's why, you know, you see some of these cha- teams change so much, good, bad, or indifferent. And and that's why at the end of the year, a lot of the teams that can be healthy can have a chance to win. You know, they have a chance to get into the playoffs. They have, they're, they're a San Francisco this year. You know, that's like San Francisco is undefeated, right? You think they're a really good team? You excited about the? I, I'm sure Niners fans in the Bay Area I'm are sure ecstatic are. right now. But I mean, the point being, if you think they're going to, you know, are they going to be? Uh, a, I'm just throwing out numbers now. A 10 win team for the next eight years? I got no idea. Well, there you will know, be fluctuations no, through that. Yeah, I mean, and it's and people are going to say, okay, that's not what we wanted, but uh, you know what? As long as we, and that's why I keep telling people, if as long as you can get to a point where you can compete, where you're there, and you've got to have some luck, you've got to have some health, you've got to play good, you've got to do all of those things. 
But this is just not a sport where you go out there and throw your hat out there and say, okay, I'm here. I expect to win. I mean, that's not the way. Unless, now, I was at New England. And we had a little bit of that in New England now. (laughs) Where we could just roll our hats out there and say, all right, we're here. Get this thing over with. Thank you very much. We'll see you next year. Yeah. And leave. I mean, you had those things. All right. So let's forget the moniker good to great. Let's ignore that next segment. Have the Titans in any phase of their game taken the next step through five games? Are they? Let's break. Okay. Let's look at that coming up next. All right. Okay. He's the GM Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth in for Jared Stillman this afternoon. You're listening to Jared and the GM ESPN 102 Path Game Streaming on the Game National app. Welcome back into the show, live from Brew House South in Cool Springs, next to the Galleria Mall. Ryan Forth alongside Floyd Reese. This is Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025. The game smash will live coming up at 7 o'clock later this evening. Kyle Turris and Dan Hamuse, your player guests for the Nashville Predators, Braden Gall and Hal Gill hosting. We've been talking about how the Titans haven't quite yet gone from good to great or making it simpler than that they haven't taken they have not taken the necessary steps to go next level yet next step right. the, the next step whatever you know we we don't have a, a clear definition of great but the mantra was going next level basically and they haven't gone next level yet so i kind of wanted to pick your brain floyd taking different segments of this roster of what we've seen on the field through five games and ask if you have felt like any of these five have gone the next step in the right direction compared to last year. Okay. Okay. The run game in your mind, has that gone next level or is it the same? Uh, Worse? It's it's no, I don't think it's worse. I mean, it's much more consistent and if it, if it continues to be consistent, then it will have be a step forward. Okay. It will be a plus. Pass game. No. They have better they have better weapons now. Yep. But the pass protection is just brutal. Yep. So is that why and, you're saying no? Right. Cuz you, you can't if you can't keep Mariota upright, the pass game's never going to Guys go been next sacked level. more than, you know, anybody in the league. So I mean you you're going to struggle. Defense. Oh yeah, I think defense is good. You think they've gone? I think they're next good. Level? The defense is good enough to win you 10, 11 games, whatever it is you. I would you still want like to, to see more consistent pass rush. You know sure. that's been a yep. bone of contention for me. I know you you've wanted that pass rush to be better. Yep. You know Cameron Wake today didn't practice. He didn't play last week. There's just not much there if Harold Landry isn't himself taking that next step and and i think i mean i feel really good about the secondary i feel good about the inside linebackers yep i feel solid about the dts uh you know it's just that the outside guys and the pass rush that they can generate now last even last week you know we i mean we got four sacks and they got five you know so there therein lies the difference when you lose by a point or two points or seven in that case but it's still uh, it's still, um, you know, you're losing, then that's how close it is. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't feel good about defense. About I mean, I do feel good about defense. What about the special teams? You know, uh, it's really a problem because you're the best 
in the league in in an area and, and punting punting yeah. yeah i mean we got the best punter in the league and punt team and and all of that i is, mean they should put know. brett kern's picture on the facade of nissan stadium oh, like brett kern is uh, he is automatic inside the 10 every single time you need him to, to put it inside the 10. And, and just so consistent with it. You know, he, he is what every what all parts of this team are trying to be. You know, he can line up and he can say, okay, is he going to put it inside the 10? Does he have a shot? Yeah, well, then he will. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way you feel. And the punt team does a great job of covering and all that. So, uh, yes, that part of it is really good. I mean, there are other areas that we, we need a lot of work, as we well know. So – Status quo, yeah. Last I mean, year, I, I don't know how you can. You certainly can't rate it better, right? But I'm not sure with the punter is punting as well as he is if you can rate it worse. I'm, but I'm sure if they had Ryan suck up, it would be. Yeah, if you if you'd have kicked a couple of field goals along the way, they, along the way it would have been, you know, you would have been yeah, it's step forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the so. two home losses and Cairo Santos missed key kicks and. I mean, let's face both it. Of those if games. we can kick a 49 yarder. A 33-yarder, a 36-yarder, and one of the 50-yarders, you're four and one. Mm-hmm. You'll take that. Four and one. Yes, you absolutely will. Uh, but guess what? We didn't. And, and it's two and three. And, and therein lies the you win one, you lose one. You win one, <laughs> you lose what one. What about coaching? Do you think coaching has taken the next step? I think coaching has been pretty much the same. I mean, Dean has, uh, Dean can, you know, Dean is pretty much the same. But Dean was really good last year, mm-hmm. you know, so he's, I don't know how much better he can get from what, where were we, third or something on on defense, wherever we ended up. I mean, we were we were pretty good, and so we're still going to stay good there. Um on offense, I mean, the truth is we're still kind of waiting on Arthur and see how that mm-hmm. that whole thing plays out. But you can't, I mean, you can't look at it now and say, yeah, it was, it's an improvement. There have been some growing pains, but there have also been some, some highlights. Yeah, for, for been some good things. For sure. Let's go to the phones. Rob has been waiting patiently. Let's get to Rob before we get to Jason Fitz at 345. Rob, welcome into Jared and the GM. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. I'll just kind of listen to you guys about what y'all talking about. Um, I'm going to just start off by saying this team is, is still, to me, is still like the same Titans, just different bodies in the position. I mean, the offensive line is still weak. Uh, it doesn't block or, or you know, uh, or protect the quarterback in any form or fashion. We just like when we had Jake Locker. Jake Locker, what did he do? He got he got hammered back there. And I guess uh, you know, I guess by getting rid of the quarterback, then they they thought they were going to fix their problem. To me, it's the it's the organization, the way that they go by hiring the guys that they put in these positions. Now, to me, it seems like to me that if if they uh, get some of these players out there that you know they want to play and and uh, get in there and they start uh acting like they want to play then some of the problems will quit i mean i don't hear nobody like i said the other day getting fired up on this team about losing they act like to me they just there for a paycheck that's all i got guys thank you thanks robert thanks rob 
No mention of uh, Mike Malarkey on that call. <laughs> he's it, Malarkin. He's uh, good. Mal- he's uh, good for a Malarkin to call. Malarkin. Yeah. <laughs> Any reaction to what Rob had to say there? I, I, you know, I mean, I agree with a certain extent to what he said about the about the you know nobody getting fired up, but in this environment. You know, the way you used to show it, the way it used to, people would look at it and we'd say, man, he's really ticked. You, nobody, you, if you do that now, you're. You're uh, on Sports Center all day. You're a dink. Yeah, you're on, you know, if you had Taylor to one this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the only guy we've had to jump out and go, hey, we got to be better now. We got to be better. And instead of people listening to the we got to be better part, and he included coaches, he included people upstairs, and he included himself. Well, what have we done all week long? We've criticized him for it. So what, are you going to be the next one to step out there and do that? No. Heck no. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to, you know, you go out there and you throw yourself out and and they kick you in the teeth with it. So guess what? Next guy's not going to do it. And I don't. I, I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just saying the, it used to be the things you used to do that people would now call what Robert calls, you know, showing frustrations for losing, kicking garbage cans or whatever it is, throwing your helmet or I, I don't know. You know, how, however, you you display that. Well, now the people have looked down on that. You know, people that's not accepted any longer. And even with, like I said, with Taylor, you know, I mean, to come out in the press and say something, that's not, not it's not the essence of what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. Mm-hmm. And and they will criticize the heck out of you for it. So you don't do it. Coming up next, ESPN's Jason Fitz will join us for his weekly segment right here on Jared and the GM. Ryan Porth alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. That's all coming up next on Jared and the GM, ESPN, 102.5 The Game, streaming on the Game National App. Welcome back in, Jared and the GM. Ryan Porth in for Jared Stone this afternoon alongside the GM, Floyd Reese. Floyd, I know you guys look forward to Wednesdays at 345 every week because that means Jason Fitz of ESPN of first and last in the wee hours of the morning. And uh, a lot of times with Golik and Wingo does a whole lot of stuff with college game day. Jason Fitz joining us here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Fitzy, what's up, man? Fourth, I mean, I love hearing your sweet, sweet tones on the radio, but I don't get to yell at Stillman today. I don't know what to do with my life. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like Will Ferrell. I don't know what to do with my hands now. I'm, I'm, I'm done today. <laughs> so, Fitzy, uh, always good to hear from you. So, what what has been kind of your take? I know you're you're not here in Nashville uh, watching this Titans team every single Sunday Um like you were with the with the morning show, but what what's been your take from afar watching this Titans team week in and week out? You know, the funny thing is, you say that I still watch every Titans game uh, because I have so much love for the city. Nothing changes that. And uh, you know, as we look at this Titans team, I think it's sort of it's funny. It's the identity that this Titans team has had from the get go. It feels like on defense they've got playmakers that know how to make plays, and on offense. Now they have playmakers, but they just can't open things up. And I think the biggest disappointment when you look back to last Saturday, last Sunday was frankly the offensive line and the play of the offensive line. And they've invested money and resources, and they've, they've put 
draft equity into it. The offensive line has got to play better for Marcus Ember, Derrick Henry. I don't care how good that Buffalo defense is. I put a lot of that at the feet of the offensive line. they got to be better. Are you to the point where you're saying Marcus Mariota is what he is at this point, or is there still yeah. another level he can reach? I, no, I think he is what he is. And, and look, what he is uh, isn't like that's not as bad as everybody makes it sound. You know, I mean, we all have this image in our head that our favorite team should have Aaron Rodgers, and that's not the way the world works. So sometimes your favorite team has a quarterback that is good, not great. And I know with the second overall pick, nobody wants good, not great. And I understand the expectations that came with Marcus. I also understand that at the end of the day, Marcus is going to make this team good enough this year that they're not going to be drafting in the top five. If they're not drafting in the top five, you're not getting somebody like a Tua that everybody can look around and say, this guy is the savior. You're going to constantly be in that cycle of looking for a quarterback that can give you a little more than you would expect. So, you know, I think saying Marcus is who Marcus is means that he's a mid-level starting quarterback in the NFL, and that's not the worst thing, even though – it sounds terrible, and people will say I'm accepting mediocrity. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying that you could have it worse, even if you could have it better. The, uh, as you look at this AFC South, and you look, you know, here's Indy you think's got a chance to run away with it, and, and they lose to Oakland and then beat Kansas City, and Houston you think's got a chance to run away with it, and they lose to Carolina and then turn around and beat the heck out of Atlanta. How do you kind of – rank where we are now with this division well i think ultimately the the texans have the playmakers and the weapons on offense if they don't get deshaun watson murdered which is like that is going to be the you know we always talk about looking back at eras the texans are going to look back at this era and realize that they have i think one of the best young starting quarterbacks in the nfl they have not just a they don't have a good quarterback they have a spectacular quarterback and they are doing everything they possibly can to somehow just get him killed back there behind that offensive line. They they went out and got Laramie Tunsil. That obviously hasn't played immediate dividends. So Houston has a glaring question mark on the offensive line. If they get that figured out, they're clearly the best team in the division to me at this point. Uh, the Colts, the, the up and down of it, maybe the Raiders' loss looks a little better after seeing what the Raiders did to the Bears. Maybe we can justify it that way, but... I'm not sure I can, and ultimately, if you had to bet your house on Jacoby Brissett, would you? I mean, he's a good quarterback, but I wouldn't bet my house on Jacoby. So, you know, I feel like the, the Titans fall in behind those two teams, but to me, the team that has the opportunity to be the best by the end of the year, and not only the best in that division, but one of the best in the AFC, are the Texans. What about the uh, Jacksonville and their, their uh, rookie quarterback? Think, you know, Does he have a chance? It's weird, Floyd, and, and you've seen this. I mean, you've been around the league so long. I keep waiting for Gardner Minshew to hit some sort of a wall, and yeah. it just isn't happening. But the, the interesting part about it is, and, and I'll show you know my, my caution with quarterbacks, I'm nervous about a quarterback that's back there running around making spectacular plays because at some point, spectacular plays, we always talk about the turnovers level out over time. A team can be way ahead on the turnover margin one, one year, and it evens out the next year. I believe that's the same with young quarterbacks that are back there running around making great athletic plays. It is awesome when it works, and eventually it stops working for most of them. So, you know, I still need to see Gardner Minshew, as as impressive as he's been, I need to see him actually settle into being just a normal starting quarterback that's not relying on highlight plays every single week. or not. That's not the, the impetus of his success. That being said, let's remember that Gardner Minshew doesn't really cost them anything, and Nick Foles, they have a ton of money invested in. So, if he starts to fail, 
they'll keep Nick Foles, I think, not just for this year, but all the trade talk about the possibility of trading Nick Foles, I think, forgets that they have so little money invested in Gardner. They can keep the two of them and have one quarterback worth of salary and keep themselves protected. You know what, Fitzy? I, I look at – I even look at Kansas City and their quarterback, and he is not – it's similar to, to Watson in Houston. You know, Watson is scariest when he's out running around with the football. Consequently, he's not in the he's not in the pocket a great deal. You know, at Kansas City, he is seldom in the pocket to throw the ball. I mean, every time he's throwing it, he's out there running around someplace, buying time, buying time, and those speedy receivers are down the field. Uh, and and he started getting dinged up a little bit this week. You know, he got an ankle well, or a foot or or something, and he comes limping off. You know, I, I get worried about these guys that get out there dancing around, you know, running for their lives, that they're just going to not see that defensive end coming from the blind side. I totally agree with you. And, and I think one of the differences between, let's say, Gardner Minshew and Patrick Mahomes, obviously they're different levels of athletes. But when, we, when I say running around for Gardner, he's back there about to get sacked. He saves himself a little bit, and then he turns it into a miraculous play. Yes, that's part of it. The, the Kansas City part, though, feels more like Andy Reid is designing routes that take so long to get down the field, and it works. It works for them because somehow Mahomes is able to make that great athletic play. But ironically, the weird part about it is those athletic plays are kind of on time for what Andy Reid's offense is. I think, I think, frankly, we're giving so much credit to Patrick Mahomes, we're sleeping on the credit that Andy Reid deserves because we've just gotten into the spot now where we say, oh, Patrick Mahomes runs around and throws it to some fast wide receiver every team in the league has fast wide receivers there are route schemes down there that are making guys open that haven't been successful anywhere and anywhere else they've played that is the tip of the hat to Andy Reid and you're right the athleticism of Patrick Mahomes is making it work but you're also right at some point he's going to get killed back there and I I fear for all of these young quarterbacks it's almost like we got to be really thankful that we have them while we have them and let's just see how long they last <laughs> ESPN's Jason Fitz with us here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Fitzy, before we let you go, how many teams in the NFL can you point to and say they are a Super Bowl contender, and is that number more or less than when uh, when you started the season? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, Borth. Uh, look, in the AFC, I think that by the end of the year, the Texans will be a Super Bowl contender. The, the Chiefs clearly are. Uh, the Patriots clearly are. So that's three there. Uh, that I, I think obviously have a real chance. The NFC, I think, is more interesting than a lot of us thought. We're, we're sleeping on how stinking good Seattle is at this point. I don't know if people just aren't watching, but Russell Wilson is doing spectacular things, even for Russell Wilson. So I would add them and the Saints, obviously, are on that list. The Rams are on that list. Uh, so I would say there's probably seven or eight teams that could viably win the Super Bowl, uh, which is, I think, a little more than we expected going in. But the other side of it is the, the league right now is the middle of the league is so entertaining. What's going to make the NFL season interesting to that point is at the end of the year, you're going to have a ton of teams competing for the opportunity to get into the playoffs. And that, in and of itself, makes you feel like you got a chance. And the number of teams that find themselves at 3-2 and two right now or 2-3, and three, it's just a reminder there's so much parity in the league. 9-7 and seven is going to get you a playoff berth. And there's a lot of teams right now looking at their schedule saying, ah, we can get to 9-7. and seven. So... That's going to be more interesting, the, the number of teams that are competing for the playoffs versus the number of teams that are competing, competing for the actual Super Bowl. Jason Fitz, you can hear him every Wednesday right here on, at 345 on ESPN 1025 The Game. Jason Fitz, thank you so much. 
As always, good to hear your voice. Thanks, Fitzy. Appreciate you guys. Have a great show. All right, that was ESPN's Jason Fitz. And what he's just said there about how the middle of the league, and you, you've been harping on it all show, the middle of the league, the fact that there are 16 teams at 3-2 and two or 2-3, two and three, that's going to make the games in December almost – it. I haven't obviously looked at the schedule, but it's going to make it feel like almost every game in December has some sort of playoff, playoff implication yeah. attached to playoff it. Playoff game. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be really, really exciting. For, for this division, more exciting than it ever has been because, I mean, I hate to say it, but I kind of see Jacksonville sneaking up here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they're, I, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win, win the division, but – they're going to be in the middle of it, you know. They're someplace with the rest of us, and you know, you have four teams in a division that are coming down to the last four or five games that are all in it. Especially in our situation, where you know, two of the last three games are against Houston, and you know what? It's going to be really, really tight. So Jason Fitz right there just said there are six, seven, maybe eight teams in the National Football League that he feels like can win the Super Bowl. How many great teams really are there in the NFL at this point in the 2019 regular season? We'll get into that next. He's the GM, Floyd Reese. I'm Ryan Porth. You're listening to Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025, the game streaming on the Game National app.